I found that everything significant that happens in life seems to begin with like a small dream of sorts, a vision that eventually flips into your passion, your purpose. It drives your work ethic, the thousands and tens of thousands of hours working on mastering your craft with an unflinching obsession. And it takes all of that and a lot more to get to that version of the podium in your life. Today, I'm going to have a conversation with a young man whose dream has been burning since he grew up in the great city of Detroit, Michigan, went to a few different high schools, went to a few different colleges, and is preparing for his second pro day here as we speak today, this week. Welcome to At the Podium with Manuel Amesqua. I'm a financial advocate, a CEO, father, a husband, and as all of you know, a massive, massive sports fan. I'm obsessed with encouraging people to dream and attack that unique vision they have for their life so that they might inspire others to do the same. I built this podcast to share the stories of high performers and help convert their wins, losses, and lessons along the way into nuggets that can help you get closer to your dreams. Folks, today my guest is Amir Sadiq, native of Detroit, Michigan, played at Central Michigan, and then transferred to complete his fifth year at Charlotte. Amir is currently working on his obsession of getting to that next level, the NFL, completing one pro day at Central Michigan, preparing for another one this week, and two local ones beyond that. I hope that you'll find value in the discussion today with Amir on what it takes and what it looks like to attack the vision that he has for his life today. Enjoy our conversation with Amir Sadiq. Amir, it's so good to have you on at the podium today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So I know that you are completely obsessed about your day-to-day disciplines and habits right now, training with the prospect of getting into the league. I love having young men come on and share their powerful stories, especially when they're born and raised in Detroit. Hey, open up with our listeners and share a little bit about your childhood and some of the things that stand out the most in your life about that time. Growing up, it was three of us, my mom, my dad, my brother, and well, four of us. I'm the fourth. And then as I got older, you know, we just like kind of added on siblings. (laughs) So it was cool to see how me and my older brother grew up compared to how my younger siblings grew up. And us focusing on a lot of sports, being outside, playing the game a little bit, but really like us growing up, we were always outside playing basketball, playing football. When I realized like, okay, basketball is cool. I'm not going to really do organization basketball. Football came around. I'm like, I got to play football. I have to. Like I'm telling my mom, like, mom, I want to play football. Dad, I want to play football. I want to play football. And nonstop, I'm telling them, I'm just like, I want to play football. And sixth grade year, they're like, all right, we're tired of you asking. Go ahead. Just go ahead. <laughs> so I went out and played my older brother. So he's two years older. So he was eighth grade. So me and him were on the okay. same team. And what's his name? Cavante. That was like my first contact. 
that I had one of the craziest stories. Like we, we were playing a uh, charter school and I was playing like running back. I got the ball, big, like 300 pound D tackle just comes through the hole. Smack me, crush me. I'm laying on the ground, like trying to breathe. And that was my moment where I'm like, oh yeah, I want to play football. I don't want to play offense, but I want to play football. <laughs> he smashed me. I'm just like, yeah, I think I want to deliver the blow. So from that point on, I'm like, all right, I'm playing defense now. And I'm the one that's going to come down and hit somebody and be, have them feeling like, oh man, like I don't want to play this anymore. So that was like the biggest thing growing up, just being outside, being active and just really being always around sports. My older cousins, older brother, everybody was around sports and I was always around it. So that was like the biggest thing for me. So you both played through forts in high school. So actually I went to charter school in Dearborn Heights and it was called Star, little small charter school. We both were going there. He graduated from there. I ended up transferring my junior year to go to Fortson and I instantly ran track. I'm like, all right, I know I got to get faster. What were you running in the track team? It's a four by one to 100. I hold the record okay. at Forreston for the four by one. Wow. So when I first got there, they're like, yeah, yeah, come run track. Cause that was track season when I transferred. It was midway through the semester going into the second semester. So that's when track season starts. And they're like, you should throw. I'm like, hmm, that's cool, but I want to run. I want to be the fastest out here. Cause our quarterback, Hamza, he plays at Eastern right now. He played quarterback with me at Forreston. Okay. He actually, was like one of the faster kids there. So anytime I go to school, I want to be the fastest. I want to be the strongest. I just want to compete to be the mm-hmm. best. And he was the best. And once I got there, I'm like, I'm challenging you. And we got on a four by one team and we just tore it up. Going back to football, what positions were you playing your junior and senior year in high school? Junior year, I was still at star. So like I was able to play literally every position I wanted to at the charter school yeah. because it's such a small school. You know, it was no JV. Wasn't no freshman. It wasn't no varsity. It was just straight varsity. Everybody from freshman to senior could be playing on varsity. So my junior year, I played quarterback, receiver, tight end, linebacker, safety. Okay. And then what about your senior year at Fordson? Okay. And then at Fordson, I came in and I kind of want to play a little bit of offense and defense. And I wanted to play like receiver slash like linebacker slash defensive end. And they were like, all right, we got receivers. You could just play defense strictly. I'm like, that's cool with me. I got out there. I played like linebacker, depending on if it was a 3-4 defense, and I played defensive end. And that was where I really thrived. At the end? Yes. Okay. Defensive end was probably like my favorite position because it was like I was faster than that guy. Sure. Yeah. Just faster. quicker off the I'm line. I'm just going yeah. to run right by him. And that's where I really locked in my position at defensive end. Can you think back to that year at Fortson and the people and type of impact that had the most on you in terms of the coaching staff or a mentor at the school? So technically, one of them is not at the school, but you might have heard of Jermaine Crowell. He was the head coach at Belleville. And my head coach at Fortson was uh, Hajj Zaban. Hajj, when I first got there, like he kind of took me under his wing and was like, you know, like you have the talent to pretty much make it to the next level, Division One. All you have to do is just work. Like, you got to work out. You got to do this. You got to do that. He's telling me, like, all the things that you have to do in order to be the best and in order to dominate and in order to be able to really show, okay, I'm going to put in extra work. I'm going to put in extra time. So I took that and I said, okay, I go to sports. I go to practice. I'm going right to the gym after. 
So I'm literally doing like almost three workouts in one day, every single day. And I'm eating a lot of food. And he's telling me, you just got to focus. You just got to make sure you're doing, staying on top of your classes. We're doing really good. We got all the way to Belleville, had no losses. So we played Belleville, mm-hmm. Jermaine Crowell, Coach mm-hmm. Crowell. He's the head coach there. After the game, he comes up to me. He's like, how many more years you got? After the season was over, he calls my head coach and goes, we got to fix his highlight tape. Because at that point, I had one offer and that was to Towson University, which is a D1 AA. I wouldn't say that I wasn't happy with it, but I wanted more. When did you know that you could play Division One football? Probably my senior year. Who was your biggest believer and advocate that you would say, this person is really the one that helped cement it in my mind that I could do it? Probably my cousin. His Who's name that? is Enrique Hope. He would take me to the gym. We would go run okay. heels. We would go to hype. He would pay for the membership. He would take me to go and run heels, hit the weight room. And on the weekends, all right, we're running a track. We're doing banded exercise. We're just doing so much that it was like, he's like, you're not going to get there by just a regular sports tech and practice. You have to do more. And he played basketball at Oakland. So he knew you got to put in some work to get to where you want to be. And that was like the biggest thing that he really enforced and told me like, outside of the light, that's where you're going to shine. In the dark, when you're by yourself and you're doing stretches, your workouts, your everything that the coaches are saying that, all right, this is what we're doing as a team. You're going to do some more stuff after. That's where you're going to shine. That's what he kept telling me. And that's why I'm like, okay, cool. I will always get extra work in from that point forward. When you made that conscious decision that, hey, I'm going to compete to play at that next level, what was your parents' response at that time? My mom and dad both were super supportive. Like They've all been super supportive of me. I can really say they always wanted the best for me. Super supportive, always making sure that I'm good if I need anything. Always had super support from my parents and my siblings too. Yeah. Like they'll come to games, everything. So that's a blessing to have them. So you're coming out of Fordson. You got some notoriety. There was a little bit more hype than Division One AA for you. What was the school you almost went to that's not CMU? Towson. So Towson, actually, like I was committed to them for almost two months. Number one reason that you backed out on your commitment. Level of competition. Unpack that. So, all right, D1AA, I always told myself that if I was going to go to college, I was going to make sure it was a full ride scholarship and my parents didn't have to pay for anything, didn't have to do anything, and that it was going to be a Division One team. No asterisks, just Division One. And when Division One AA came calling, it felt like an asterisk. It didn't feel like Division One to me. Mm-hmm. I went there. It was a really nice campus. Great, great coaching, great team. And it just didn't feel right. So I actually called my uncle that played at Cincinnati. My uncle, Don White, he played at Cincinnati. I called him. And this is two nights before signing day. I'm telling him, like, yeah, like, I really like this school, but Central just gave me the offer. And I just went on a visit. It ain't all that, but it's straight Division One. What did we talk about? He like, did you already say that you want to go Division One, or did you already say that you want to do a half stepper? Then I told him that they offered me a gray shirt. It wasn't a straight out offer. So gray shirt for people that don't know, it's almost like an opportunity to earn your scholarship in your first summer. So you get your summer workout, and then you get fall camp. You can earn your scholarship in that fall camp. So. Everybody that comes in on a regular scholarship, they get to come in, work out, get ready for camp, and they have almost like a guaranteed spot 
not necessarily a starting spot, but just a spot on the team. If you're a gray shirt, they can send you home after fall camp for that first semester and you come back that following semester. So you would come in the fall before the season starts, do your fall camp, and they can send you home from the whole season all the way until the spring season. There was four of us, okay. four of us that were on gray shirt. And I told my uncle, and I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know if I want to do that, though. And he said, do you believe that you'll stay and earn a spot? I said, yeah, for sure. He's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go earn a spot. That's great. Went up there. And when I got there, Joey Osman played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Beast at Central Michigan. Like, I mean, like, that was somebody that I really always, like, was spending time with. Mm -hmm. And he showed me a lot of things, like, as far as, like, work ethic once again. That's the main, the common talk when you're trying to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. It's work ethic. Mm -hmm. And I got there. I was underneath him all the time, just following in his footsteps. And I was able to earn my spot and not have to go home, whereas everybody else that came in with me went home. Early on in your time at CMU, which coach had the biggest impact on you? Coach Archie Collins. He's the one that actually offered me. Once again, that connection line, Coach Crowell, that coach at Belleville, he reached out to Coach Collins, which in return, Coach Collins reached out to me. And he was like, do you think you're ready for this? And they brought me up on a visit. He sat me down in his office. He was like, listen, if you're going to come here, you're going to have to work your behind off and really show us that you want this because there's plenty of other kids that we can offer and we're taking a chance on you. And from that moment, it was like, all right, they don't think I can do this. Let me prove them wrong. And, you know, he will always check on me. He was a DB coach. He wasn't okay. my actual coach, but he was on defense. And he would always just make <laughs> sure that I was on top of my business. He always poured into me and just told me, like, make sure you're taking care of your business. That's the main mm -hmm. thing. What does taking care of your business mean to you? Do what's right. So if you know that you're supposed to be somewhere at a certain time, be there at that time. If you have an assignment due, make sure you get that assignment done. Don't be lying. I love that you're saying that because we have a dear friend, Benny Fowler, who you know played at Michigan State, Detroit Country Day. Michigan State, then had eight years in the NFL as a wide receiver. I think the world of Benny, one thing I've heard from Benny, and I've heard him say many, many years before I even met him, was just always be a pro. Be a pro. So I'm going to say handle your business as be a pro. Pretty right? much the same thing. Yeah, I love that. When you came in as your freshman year, which guy on the team was the consummate professional? 100%. Showed up early, had the right attitude, left it all on the field every single day and was a great teammate. 100% Joey Osman. Love 100%. It. When I say like he was the definition of professional, he get in there early. He's in there late watching yeah. film. He's coming in early to stretch, work out before every single practice he's doing core. It didn't stop. Like it was nonstop. 24-7. Being a professional. There's no such thing as like halftime professional. Sure. It's not like that. What's your favorite memory from playing at CMU? Probably how close we were as a team. The class that I came in with, Khalil Pimpleton. Troy Brown, Ja'Cory Sullivan, Troy Harrison, Jameis Kimbrough. Our recruiting really class was recruiting just class. so like yeah. united and yeah. we were just all one. We're all on the same page. Like yeah. when I say Lou Nichols, we will all come in and literally get extra work in together. Like we will mm -hmm. all look at each other like, what we about to do today? Let's go to the field. And it's nothing to do in Mount Pleasant. Just in case y'all don't know, it's nothing to do in Mount Pleasant. Like, you either go to the field, or you're in class, or you in your crib. 
It ain't no malls. It's like three stores, Target, Walmart, and Myers. They've built a lot since then. But it speaks to the lack of distractions also create an environment of high performance, right? Yes. I mean, most schools do not look at CMU on the schedule and say, oh, man, this is going to be an easy ride. And it's because I do think that that type of environment creates an additional level of focus that sometimes some of the circus campuses can't provide. Big facts. Especially for student athletes. I agree. Take, for example, Charlotte and Central. Mm -hmm. Charlotte, 15 minutes from downtown Charlotte. I mean, like nonstop, something's going on at all times. Campus is very beautiful. But when I say like there's attractions to go and do something every single minute of the day, there's a reason why where Central was, was very beneficial. Mm -hmm. And where Charlotte is, Mm -hmm. is not as beneficial. Yeah, understood. I'm a huge fan of our friends at Sport of Kings out in LA. And as a listener of this show, you've got to check them out. Sport of Kings is an LA-based clothing brand that was started by two surfers and longtime friends. The story's incredible. They carry a wide range of premium tees, hoodies, sweats, caps, and more. And they're designed in-house folks made locally in Los Angeles and Orange County. Samantha and Ava and Atlas say, Dad, you're either in a blue suit and white shirt or Sport of Kings. And they're right. That's about it. Don't forget, Sport of Kings is a homegrown brand focused on quality over quantity. And if you go check them out online at S-O-K-F-Y. So basically, Sport of Kings Forever Young, S-O-K-F-Y dot com. And use the promo code PODIUM. You'll receive 20% off your entire order. Again, that's SOKFY.com. And use the promo code PODIUM at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. Thing you're most proud of about your play at CMU? I would say my degree. Earning my degree, my bachelor's. I told my parents they weren't going to have to pay for nothing. They weren't going to have to pay for school, books, tuition, mm-hmm. room and board, nothing. I told them I was going to do everything I need to do to earn a degree and play football. And when I did that, it just felt like a sense of relief that I stood on what I said and, and did exactly what I was telling my parents I was going to do. There's something for being able to look back and say, I honored my commitment. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's yeah. how I felt. It just felt really good to be able to tell them like, yeah, I got my degree. Like I'm done. Completed it. I want to make sure that I recognize that with you and that you take that forward because it's very difficult to say what you mean and mean what you say and follow that through with execution, right? So good for you. And I'm sure your teammates would speak the same about their experience and their time with you. So you play four solid years at CMU. You go to Charlotte as a graduate transfer. Why Charlotte? So Coach West, he coaches with the Buffalo Bills right now. He reached out to me. So the reason why I left Central was because I wanted to be able to be versatile, be able to play linebacker, defensive end, rush, drop, do a little bit of everything to show the scouts and show the NFL that I'm able to do whatever it is that y'all need. Mm -hmm. He told me, whatever you want to do, we can do it. And once he told me that, it was like a green light for me. I want to be able to showcase everything. I don't want to just do one thing. And when we had that discussion and I looked at him and I told him, I want to be able to do 
whatever it is that needs to be done to help us win. He said, let's do it. And that was like a wrap from there. Who specifically turned you on to Charlotte? You're in Mount Pleasant, having a great time at Target or Walmart. <laughs> and how does Charlotte enter the movie of your life? So when I hit the transfer portal, it was right after the Eastern game. Who convinced you to enter the transfer portal? Myself. Why did you know it was time? I had a good season. I felt good that season. I felt like I was on the up. I felt like it was time for me to showcase a different set of talent. And I told my coach, I feel like I want to be able to stand up. I want to be able to drop all this and that. And he didn't really feel like that was what we needed. So I'm like, all right, that's cool with me. I'm going to go ahead and figure out where I can go to be able to do what it is that I want to do. Because I knew that to make it to the next level, you can't be one dimensional. And I knew that if I was able to showcase multiple talents that the NFL would be like, okay, he's quick, he's strong, he's fast, yes. and he understands football. Those are things that I can showcase by playing different positions. Good for you. And you had a good season in Charlotte? Yes, sir. Most proud achievement during that one year with Charlotte? Earning all conference. Yeah, congrats. And pretty much stand on what I said again. I want to lead our defense in sacks, lead our defense in tackles for loss, and just be somebody that they can say like, okay, if we need a play, he going to make the play. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I got all conference, led the team in, in sacks, and led the team in tackles for loss. So like that was like the biggest thing for me. And I didn't even know that the last two people to get all conference were Alex Highsmith mm-hmm. and the D tackle. Those are the last two. So like I'm the one of those three that have gotten all conference. Yes. So that really helped me boost my confidence to say like, okay, I did what I was supposed to. And the people that got all conference are in the NFL. So it's my turn. That's wonderful. And so favorite teammate that you played with at Charlotte before we pivot to this next chapter in your life? Grand Dubois. Once again, being a professional, he was a professional. And being around Khalil Pimpleton, Troy Brown, and all these guys, like, you know, we're always getting extra work, always getting extra work. And to see him doing the same thing as me, because we're the only two out there after practice now. So I'm chopping it up with him, and we just kind of like hit it off like that Mm -hmm. easy because of the extra work. We're both trying to be professionals. Mm -hmm. And you see what he's doing. He's catching a lot of buzz. He's definitely a professional, and that's who I really was around a lot. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together as far as just like after practice, just getting extra work in. That's great. Let's pivot. When did you know that you're a legitimate prospect for the NFL? So Troy Harrison, that's another one of my brothers. Like, you know, we super close, talk every day, play the game every day. After the season, he called me and was like, hey, bro, you know, it's time, right? I was in the mindset of, all right, what's next? Like, what do I need to do? You know, I didn't really have that many agencies reaching out to me. The agencies were reaching out to me throughout the season. But when the season was over, I didn't have that many agencies reaching out. So I was like, okay, this is a little bit weird. Like, what happened? The agency outreach, that's a great leading indicator of the demand for you. 100%. If you're getting agencies reaching out, that means that they want to represent you. They have some type of knowledge of you can get either between the rounds of one first round undrafted free agent. And if you're having that type of success, then that's a positive thing. So I didn't have that many. Like it was like two, three, four throughout the season. And then it kind of went cold turkey. And like the last two games, I'm like, oh, man, like it's season's over. Like, what's up? Anybody yes. calling me? And Troy called me and was like, uh, my agency about to reach out to you soon. I'm like, oh, man. All right, cool. So I, call, I get on the phone. I talk to Brian. What did Brian say? 
because you don't strike me as the guy who's going to accept the first invitation to the dance. So Brian had to have said something that was meaningful enough to you as a young man with a huge vision and a big work ethic that you'd say, okay, I'll take the additional call with Mr. Curry. I think the biggest thing was they were saying it was a partnership. That was one of the biggest things that got my attention. It wasn't a business transaction. It was strictly, we're going to work together. We're partners and we're going to go through this and attack it. You're going to do your part. We're going to do our part and we're going to get to the next level. And they had 100% faith in me. That was like the conversation. And then it was like a little bit of back and forth. Like, who do you want to train with? All this and that. And I've already had the conversation with Troy. Troy's done the process. He's telling me like, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing that. And I was able to get a workout in with Jim that summer, the previous summer. Jim who? Jim Kilbasa. The, <laughs> the goat. man, dude. The, the goat. The man. If you are in Michigan and you don't know Jim Kilbasa, man, you are missing out. Missing out, for yeah. real. Like, yeah, he big. does every age range, doesn't matter. Literally, literally <laughs> in the last 30 days, Amir's the fifth guy that's like Jim Kilbasa. Man, that's great. So, Troy introduces you to his network of people and advocates, and you made that decision to move forward. Talk about the day in the life for Amir Sadiq today, training with Jim Kilbasso and his team, unbelievable facility. What's it like day-to-day for you now? So right now, we're actually in the month of Ramadan. So my eating schedule is a little bit different, but the training is the same. So our training starts at 10 in the morning. We go from around 10 in the morning to around 1, 1 in the afternoon. Usually, I would eat my first meal right after I work out and then eat another meal right when I get home. And then two hours later, eat another meal, two hours later, eat another meal. And before every workout, I would eat yogurt, granola, honey, banana, and probably like a fruit, like a, a apple, a pear, something like that. Since Ramadan has started, I haven't been able to do any of that. So it's been a little bit different to really do the working out that we've done, like the exerting of the energy, I wouldn't eat all the way until around eight o'clock. So I'll eat my first meal around like eight, eat another meal around like 10, eat another meal around like 12. At that point, my stomach is smaller because when you're fasting, you don't eat as much. Your stomach just gets smaller because that's just how the body works. And that third meal, I'm like, I'm almost like stomach's just out. I can't even drink any water. I can't do nothing. It's just like, you know, I'm fully full. And for people who aren't familiar, how much longer do you have in Ramadan? Ramadan is 30 days and it's from sun up. You abstain from eating anything and drinking anything. There's a little bit more to it, but that's just about, that's like the basis. And it's from, so this month it started on 23rd. So we'll be done on April 23rd. Right now during this training season of your life, it's super intense. The draft's coming. And then there's the undrafted free agency environment, right? So you've got a tight window of time to get picked up. Who is your biggest advocate right now? Who's having the biggest, biggest impact on you, your mindset, your daily decisions, habits, disciplines, et cetera, in getting into that next level? It's a few different people. So I would say Troy, I talk to a lot because Troy is a professional. He plays for the Houston Texans. He pretty much did the exact same process as me last year. Went to the same person, did pretty much everything. If I can literally say like there's a mirror, we're doing the exact same things. Jim Kilbasa, another one that I talk to pretty much every day just to make sure that we're meeting and reaching goals that we talked about at the beginning. And then my uncle, Don White. So I talked to him periodically throughout this process. I had like set goals with him. I told him these are the things I'm going to do during the Central Michigan's Pro Day. And then once Charlotte's Pro Day come, I told him 
I would earn certain things and I was able to do them. So it feels like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. So everybody that's advocating for me, like I feel like I'm making sure that they're able to feel comfortable with advocating for me Yeah, because I'm handling my business, being a professional. That's right. And so pro days at CMU, you're back home, Mount Pleasant, hitting the Target, hitting the Walmart, going to pro day. How'd you do? I did really well. So I wanted to run really under a 4.6. My best time was a 4.56. That's fast. When you're carrying 240, 245, that's fast. Yeah. There's receivers that run a 4.5. There's receivers that run a 4.6. Yeah. I play defensive end slash linebacker, so I keep with those guys. What's the other stat that you're most proud of? 39-inch vert. Nice. That was fire. Congrats. Congrats. Now that you've gone through the process and you're really like on the five-yard line of getting into the end zone and getting into the league, what is the best piece of advice that you've given other young men, whether they're in college, high school, or middle school, playing football with this similar dream and life trajectory in their mind? Being a professional is not a part-time job. It's a lifestyle. You have to really, truly believe in your heart that everything that you're doing is going to pay off. And no matter if people see it or not, you have to do the work. Just making sure that you handle your business, being a professional, take care of everything that you're supposed to take care of is going to be very important to build habits for the future. Building habits as a young individual is important for when you get older because you'll be able to have those exact same habits and they're all good habits. Creating good habits as a young person. I mean, if you're already in high school or whatnot, create those habits now so that when you get to college, you're able to do those same things. School is very important. You cannot play any sport without handling your school first. It's just why a student, then athlete. So school is very important. You have to do your schoolwork. You have to get solid grades and just believe in yourself. Like That's really key. You got to believe in yourself, no matter what people say. That's a great message. The belief. The war is one in the mind, right? So if you can't see it up here, you can't hear it up here, you're going to have a bigger battle than most. So as we get ready to wrap up, Amir, we're all behind you for you to get to live your dream out like many of your friends have. And I know that, especially these guys coming out of Jim's camp, he does unbelievable work and that's why they get unbelievable success. So kudos again, one last time to to Jim Jim Kilbasso. And as you said, the GOAT. So Amir, as we wrap up, when football is over, and God willing, it's going to be a long time from now. When football is over, what's in that next chapter of your life? When football is over, I've always wanted to express and show people the mind and wisdom and business mentality that I have. So I want to show people that I'm a businessman, that I take care of my whole family, and just really show people that I'm going to build not just with football, but with an entire corporation. I love that. And do you have ideas of what type of business you'd want to get into in the near future? Yeah. Me and my brother, Cavante, we're actually in the process of building and blueprinting out, mapping a way to get a car wash service, self-car wash service. I love that. Is that here in Michigan? So that'll be in Arizona, around like the Tucson area where he lives. So we talk every day about it and just mapping out the best way to go about it, the best way to build, the best way to start and to keep it going. 
I love that. I love hearing the fact that you've already begun to process the way you can begin to create some duality, even maybe while you're playing and begin to start writing that next chapter of your life and leveraging that incredible education that you got. I heard a comment that you once told somebody that that degree in sociology was really considered one of your biggest achievements. And so I love the fact that you shared that with our listeners earlier today. Could not be more humbled. And it's been a privilege and blessing to really hear your story firsthand. Thank you so much. There's only so much due diligence old men like me can do about young men like you. So it was good to hear that directly from you. You got an army of humans that are rooting for you this season. Yes, sir. And I think one of the simplest things that I've taken away from all the young men that have come through my office sharing their stories is that power of your belief system and your commitment to your dreams and putting that work ethic behind. And you're an incredible example of that. So congratulations for all that you've achieved so far. I can't wait to see that next story of successes that are going to come your way. Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to our guest today, Amir Sadiq. Connect with Amir on Instagram at Amir, A-M-I-R underscore Sadiq, S-I-D-D-I-Q. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to follow, rate, and review at the podium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. It's at podium underscore podcast. Post about the show on social media, and if you would, tag us. We'll repost to share our gratitude. Also, consider telling a friend as friend to friend is still the greatest way that we could grow the show and share our stories. See you next time.